Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Hotline League. It's a double feature for you tonight. We're going to have Toast on here in the first hour, and then we're going to have Emily Rand joining us in the second hour, and we're going to be talking about a whole lot of cool stuff. But before I officially introduce my guests, who I've already spoiled in this intro, I want to give a shout-out to Alienware for sponsoring the show. We're going to talk more about them later. I'll try to do the ad read while Toast is here because he's really great at this. And then... I do want to also shout out and introduce my constant co-host, Mark Zerberman. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. Netflix One Piece live action is somehow not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It's actually pretty enjoyable. I was trying to finish the final episode before ending up on the show, but I got like 15 minutes left. Well, I'm sorry that this show is such an inconvenience for your live action anime adaptation watching. It's it's tragic. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll just hammer through the other things I've done. Bottoms is my favorite movie of the year. It's so fucking funny. It's amazing. If anyone hasn't seen Bottoms yet, which I assume is like 95% of the audience here, go watch Bottoms. It's great. Um, other than that, I'm just still playing Baldur's Gate 3. I'm halfway through Act 3 probably. I made it to the Underdark. You're moving. Thank you. How far are you, Toast? I assume you're playing Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, yeah, I played it off stream and I managed to finish it. You managed to finish it? Yeah, it's a good game. Nice. I saw you temporarily held the world record for sex. Fastest sex haver in Baldur's Gate. I Any percent? Three minutes. Congratulations. All right. Well, let's officially introduce <laughs> esteemed business person and team owner, Toast, to the show. How's it going, Toast? It's going good. How are you guys? Good, good. Wait, Mark and, and Toast, did you guys overlap during the... The offline TV era, you yeah. guys were there at the same time, right? Yeah, for like over yeah. a year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've uh, I've worked with Mark a long, almost a decade ago when we were just young upstarts in the esports scene. Was he as painful to work with then as he is now? Because I've I've worked with him for quite quite some time now. It's been really rough. Uh, back then, Mark uh, was the, one of the easiest people to work with, I would say. Really? What did you guys do to him that turned him into this person? They, they gave me for creatively fulfilling work instead of making me show up to this dead-ass podcast every yeah. week. And that's why you're still working with them and not me. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, Toast, how you have, a, you have a really big thing coming up here, and I want us to promote it at the top of the show, and we'll talk more about it as the show goes on, but... What do you have coming up, and when is it? Uh, we have the NA Legends Invitational, where we invited a whole bunch of old League of Legends heads to do like a four-team show match, and it happens on the 16th and the 17th, and it's going to feature creators like Skara, Shifter, uh, Xmithy, Balls, Sneaky, uh, Aframu. You know, all your favorite. Uh, Have you announced all these people yet, or some of these like announcements right now? They did the draft uh, already. Yeah, oh, you the did the draft. Happened. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so we know all 20 players participating. That was last Sunday, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, two days ago. Yeah. Very cool. Where can people learn about this? On the, on the Disguise Twitter, I assume? Yeah, honestly... Uh, I don't know if we have a place where we talk about stuff like that. Probably on the Twitter. Okay, okay, good. My Twitter. Glad, glad uh, it's to called hear. X. Excuse me. <laughs> glad to hear yeah. that uh, people can go find out about it there. I don't see. I'm looking at the at the disguised Twitter 
and I don't see anything about it there. But it might be my Twitter because this is more of a toast thing. Oh, it? is it? Yes. Yeah. How does that? Okay, so what is the difference between toast and disguised? Uh, well, one is me, and one is uh, the esports side of thing because this event doesn't really have um, like it doesn't have disguised players or disguised. Um, we're not looking for like a disguised League of Legends players. Um, so this is more just me putting on a fun League of Legends event personally. Gotcha. Okay, I have, I have. Uh, it's over on Whoopley's Twitter account is the place where people can see uh, all the dra- the pictures. Let me see if I can I can pull it up here. Um, so yeah, what is this event? So it's a bunch of people playing. Is is it essentially show match or how is it going to be set up? Uh, it's just the show match. Um, they did a draft, so you. You have a mix of roles, a mix of generations. I think we have like four generations of Dignitas mid laner uh, on there. Uh, and yeah, um, mostly a show match. The prize is the one thing you should keep your eyes on. We blew our entire production budget on the prize because we know these streamers won't get out of bed for like cash money. They want something they can flaunt. So we ended up going for... Uh, very fancy prizes. All right, I will show that in a second. But first, here's the teams. We got Aphromoo's team, Aphromoo, Darshan, Insanity, Perry, Golden Glue. Sneaky's team, Sneaky, Spica, Balls, Smoothie, Stunt. Scara's team, Sk- I love that picture of Scara. Scara, Xmithy, Shifter, Revenge, and Breezy. Also, the fact that they use an Apex jersey picture. So these pictures are fascinating. Um, and then Yasuo's team, Yasuo, Lorlo, Rose Thorn, Wild Turtle, and Biofrost. So that's uh, that's what's going on. It'll be on Toast Channel at 12 p.m. Pacific, cast by Captain Flyers and Azale. And then let me see if I can pull up the, um, the trophy here, which looks pretty cool. Again, on Whoopley's Twitter, the number one source for all things Toast information. Uh, where are we? I'm pulling it up. Okay, here we go. All right. So how, what's the story behind this trophy? What can you tell me about it? Uh, we just want a fancy trophy, and we're just thinking about, like, what represented League of Legends. Like, Toss some ideas around. I was like, maybe it's a Darius Axe. Maybe it's a Thresh Lantern. Uh, we thought about even doing, like, five different trophies, depending on your lane. Yeah. Um, which I thought was... Way too much effort, so we settled on like a very, very iconic much effort. Thing. So we settled Vice on Gauntlet, uh, especially with the success of Arcane. And I think the goal here is to make it also detachable and wearable, so you you feel like Thanos. That uh, is super cool. And then I guess everybody has to fight over it because there's one for all five, right? Uh, we made five, so everyone. Oh, you are making five. Team, yeah, any everyone on the winning team gets one. Oh yeah, get one engraved yeah. with their names, and it's also fully wear- wearable. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, That's actually why the, the coolest trophy. The pro- yeah, the prize is on the lower side. Like it's still a good chunk of money. It's ten thousand dollars uh, between the winners. Um, but we did shift a lot of the winning budget over to like just a fan. Like that gauntlet is, I think, almost three like twice as much value as the the prize money. So. That is uh, yeah. really cool. 
Um, okay, well, it's a call-in show, so we're going to get some calls in to talk to Toast, especially because we only have about 45 minutes left. Um, but while we have, I guess, Mark, do you want to do the spiel since we probably have some Toast po- folks who have not been here before? Uh, sure. If you haven't seen the show before, it's actually a live call-in show, so you can actually get on here and talk with Toast. Right now, I'm spamming the Discord with the link, or excuse me, the Twitch chat with the link to the Discord. Go ahead and join up there once you get there. Join Pleb Topics or Subtopics voice channels. You'll need to be in there so I can pull you. And then the text channels up above, that's where you're going to go ahead and write in your questions or takes. Uh, very oriented towards Toast for this first hour. Um, we'll pull those, pull you into the waiting room if we like them. You'll hang out there until it's your turn to come on air, do a quick mic check, and then you'll be, you'll be here to talk to Toast about why he's saving Tier 2 or how he's doing it or uh, what he thinks about the guard. Are we going to do Valorant questions, <laughs> Travis? I yeah. mean, if, if somebody wants to bring it up, I think it's it's fine. I'm sure we can just watch Toast try to dodge constantly like an acrobat. It'll be very impressive. <laughs> uh, if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. Uh, make sure that you sync with Discord so you can t- put your takes into the subtopics channel. It moves a little slower, so... It's kind of nice to to have that there if uh, if you'd like to do that. So while we have uh, takes coming in, Mark, do you have any questions for Toast on this stuff? I got to interview him a little bit. Um, I guess he was also on the analyst desk, right, at final. So maybe you talked to him there. Uh, very briefly, he just like kind of showed up and we was like, "Hey, how's it going?" And then those are always really awkward because <laughs> they also pipped him up. So like we had the replay going and like. In my head, the way the segment was going to go was like the first couple of minutes we'd be talking about the game and we would like, you know, Toast would be there if he wants to say something he could. But then they, they put him like on the screen, just sitting there watching the replays. It was super awkward. Uh, so I was just like trying to think of anything I could ask him to get him involved. Uh, so that was, that was a little awkward. But once we got off that part, it was, it was good. So I don't know if you had a different experience, Toast. Uh, yeah, no, I had a good time. Um, I don't know too much about League. Uh, so I'm just happy to not be embarrassed. Wait, how can you say that? That's, I feel that's like, like when I, that's like when I interviewed you, you were like, "Dude, I got a league team because I grew up on League of Legends. I fucking love League of Legends. This is like my thing." And then you come on this show and you're like, "I I don't know much about League of Legends." Yeah, modern league I think is harder for me because um, I don't keep up to date with like the meta, like the players and. Korea, the players in NA. I had an awkward encounter at the after party where one of the mid laners came up to me and said, yo, hey, I'm a big fan. And I said, hi, so what do you do? And he got really offended. I didn't know he, who he was because he said, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the guy on stage today. And I still didn't know who he was at that point because there was 10 guys on stage. Um, so it was <laughs> one of the mid laners from one of the finals teams. It was definitely Palafox. Was it Palafox? You have a beard? I I don't remember. Oh my god! I just awkwardly Wait. nodded my head and walked away. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Toast must have been hammered at the after party. It's it's not that he didn't recognize Palafox in the yeah 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 yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. Five dollars. Go if get you the can first caller. This pro player. Okay. Off Mark goes to grab the first. Caller, what you been up to lately, Toast? Any any fun hijinks occurring in the offline TV world? Uh, no. I mean, most of my attention and efforts have been spent on the the DSG stuff. Um, offline TV, you know, we're trucking along, doing the same old thing. Yeah, that's uh, it's good to hear. I mean, I, I'm excited to see what what disguise grows into. All right, Iron is here. Iron, where are you calling from? I'm calling from South Africa. 
South Africa. Holy shit. Awesome to have you on. Uh, what time is it there? It is 4 a.m. 4 a.m. All right. Do you normally watch Hotline League or do you stay up so that you could call it a talk to toast? No, I normally watch Hotline League. I'm yeah. actually an LCS fan. Nice. Rooting for Tim Liquid. Well, yeah. what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, my topic is um, Disguised Toast should actually partner with Immortals. Well, Immortals haven't been creating much content and putting a lot of effort in LCS. And I believe that the partnership between Toast and Immortals would be more beneficial to both parties. Uh, in particular, if you look at DSG, they've proven success through the NACL. They've created a winning roster and had one of the biggest fan engagement when you are uh, analyzing um, how many people actually came to the the finals of NACL. So, yeah. And when you say top. partner, can you describe what partner looks like? Uh, partnership would be a beneficial... Well, I'm not talking about like why it would be beneficial. I guess I just mean, what do you? What does that look like? What do you? Is what do you mean when like you say partner? In the practice room, like giving him coaching advice. Is he partnered like? Are that? they called immortals? Like, GS like DSG immortals? Is it just immortals goes away and DSG is the new brand for them? What does that look like? Ideally, you'd want immortals and DSG to still retain whatever brand they have established in terms of the name value, right? Um, it would be more of, instead of Immortals selling their, their spot or leaving or being kicked out um, from LCS by Riot, it would be more of them trying to show in good faith that they're trying to put more effort in LCS and improving engagement within LCS and also trying to create a better roster that won't end up in 10th place. Gotcha. Okay. Toast, what do you, what do you think of this? Cause obviously you've talked about how I think you're interested in some of the bigger leagues and maybe even exploring one of them right now, but what does, yeah. What do you think of the idea of partnering with, with an LCS team, maybe even immortals? Um, I mean, it's definitely something, I think that's an excellent question. It is something we've thought about and suggest because we have a lot of what these esports orgs don't have, which is just branding, story, content, and a figurehead. And they have something we don't have, which is like funding as well as franchise spots. Um, so like a partnership kind of on paper makes sense. But then you get into like, well, who actually owns the spot? Like, is it Immortals? Is it... DSG is at 50-50. Like the NRG CLG one wasn't a partnership. It was like, we're going to take over your, your org and staff and make the decisions we want to make. Um, and that's, I think, makes more sense because you're not trying to do like 50-50. Like, hey, well, let's, let's, you have staff and we have staff. Well, we have a, we have a coach and you guys have a coach. What happens? Who, who's getting fired? Um, so I think a partnership just complicates things a lot. Um, the only thing they have is the franchise spot, right? Which is like worth X millions of dollars. But what Immortals, look, I don't know too much about Immortals. I just heard they were bottom two, like eight splits in a row. If they didn't give a shit in the last four years, why do they give a shit now, right? Um, so what, like, what's in it for them? Because they can just field minimum salary go 10th place again and collect whatever cloud or stipend Ryan's going to give them. Like, there's no, 
and sent like they're okay with sucking. I, you know, I'm gonna keep it a hundred. They, they sound they seem like they're okay with sucking. So why not just keep well, doing the what they're doing? Is, Riot could theoretically kick them out now because they've been in that place yes. for so long. I just don't think anyone actually believes that Riot's going to. So to your point, they could just keep doing this because Riot ain't going to do shit. Yeah. Um, unless there's pressure on Immortals from Riot to be like, hey, you guys actually have to start trying or making good content or else you're out of here. Immortals... I don't know if uh, they would want to do that. And I don't know if we would want to do that. Um, I would essentially want full control over things. And at that point, like my strategy with all these esports team and franchise spot is I'm just going to wait till they run out of money or Riot gets so fed up that they kick them. And then I would put in like a submission for DSG. Um, if I partner with Immortals now, for example, it would kind of be bailing them out and... Why not just wait? Uh, so I, was, I oh, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was gonna say I definitely feel like there's been some level of content creator partners with orgs before, and they all kind of feel like they fall flat to me. Um, Are you talking like, about NRG trotting out Sapnap for the thirtieth time on Twitter to farm some impression? Dad, not specifically, but things like that. <laughs> uh, it's been a number of people. I mean, like even Immortals has has partnered with Aria before, for example, some someone for like crossover with offline TV people. And like, I just never have seen either fan base care about the other one, even though that they partner like that. Whereas like to Toast Point, if he has 100% control over it, his fans care because it's like his actual project versus like someone who's like a hitman and it's like a sponsorship deal almost. So yeah, I, I don't, I think it's a cool idea in theory, but these never like, really seem to work out unless it's like Nate shot with hundred thieves where he has a lot of backers, but he kind of runs the org in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the, the esports X streamer stuff is always a little strange. Like you said, it's kind of like a mercenary one-off thing. Um, there are some exceptions when like the creator is super involved, like hundred thieves with Valkyrie, hundred thieves and Nate shot. Cause Nate, I mean, Nate shot made the company TSM with Reginald back in the day, but when you compare it to what TSM did with, for example, Hikaru, it's like, we signed Hikaru. Here's the tweets. We get, we get the likes. We get the retweets. One year later, Misfits announced, welcome Hikaru. One year later, Optic, welcome Hikaru. <laughs> like, what's the point? You, are you, is it really worth paying 20K, 30K, even like up to six figures for one announcement tweet and then to do jack shit with it the next year? Uh, the no one, no one, no one cares. No one cares. But well, like, if you have like an Ibai with a Koi or Bruno with a Loud, people, there's a reason to care, right? You're right. And I was going to say, I really like your strategy of just waiting because it is it, iron to toast point. Like the, Immortals is probably not going to be in the league for much longer, at least in this iteration. Not because I've necessarily heard anything, but like, I I don't know what incentive they have to be to be in this league because I don't think that you know any team that got in thinking they were going to be able to flip the team for 100 200 you know 500 million dollars later on like that's just not realistic anymore and so it's just a cost and even if they're running it at break even it's still like just something that is not really worth holding on to it's only going to keep losing to value like the ironic thing about immortals being in the league is that by them being in the league, the league will only suffer more 
right? Like, like they, their yes. own existence lessens the value of the spot they own because of how little they do for the league. Yeah. And so, and so uh, they are only incentivized to exit the league because um, it's it's not there. And they're not the only team, right? Like, you, I think you're actually going to have a lot of other. You're going to have some decent turnover in the off season here. And and we'll see that over the next eighteen months or so, I think there's a good chance that like five of the ten teams split. And I mean, you could even count FlyQuest, right? Because they changed this last off season. So in like an eighteen month, twenty four month period, you might have like fifty percent turnover of the teams in the league. And if that's the case, like it's perfect for somebody like Toast. And I hope other creators, because they, I, my hope is that uh, the the decreasing value of the cost of the spots. Plus, Riot's sort of desperation to get the league into a better spot will create opportunities for organizations like Toast and stuff to come in. It's They just get to sit back and chill. And I think Toast very wisely is already creating fandom in the, the league ecosystem so that once he does come in, he's welcomed with even more open arms than I think he previously would have had. So, yeah. I don't know, Iron, if you have any final thoughts here. Uh, yeah, just one. Um I understand the strategy of waiting, but does that mean that when the opportunity comes, you feel like Riot will um, make the spot cost less? Because the main reason why you wouldn't maneuver now is because of the, the franchise cost is too high. And running an um, LCS team is also pretty high too. Yeah, like... Um, my hope is that one day maybe League considers the Valorant format where they have like guest slots in the franchise league. I'm not sure if they'll ever do that, uh, but it is yeah. extremely expensive to actually just field an LCS team with an NACL yeah. team. Everyone can be remote and you can pay them like however much, but with LCS, they all gotta be in California, so rent is already you're looking at for five, six, seven people like 8,000, 10,000 a month minimum. And then they all need, I believe, they have to be full-time employees technically. And it's like healthcare and then it's like dental work and then insurance. And we don't have any of that set up. Um, so yeah. cost isn't just, oh, the salary of the players is now there's a minimum. It's a minimum and then maybe 20% on top of everything. Uh, so it is expensive, um, but I would like to be able to get into LCS one day. Uh, so a lot of this right now is just figuring out the lay of the land, trying to do the best we can and yeah, learn how like the actual LCS league system work besides just like trying to jump in and take an investment for like $10 million. Yeah. Thanks so much, Iron. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Uh, shout out to my girlfriend, Kensani. And finally, I'm going to uh, hop off and continue writing for my next uh, fantasy book. So, Oh, nice. Congratulations. Oh, nice. Good luck. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks a ton. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right. Off to the next caller, Mark Goes. Thank you to Magnarius, Mellowview, CJ Foxy Boy, Fool on a Hill, Boba T, Arsh, and Twice Zuyu for the subs we should have our next now it's chewy um after the twice member is it chewy yeah it's t-z-u-y-u is that uh is that how the twice member spells it yeah okay thank you for educating me yammy is here yammy where are you calling from 
Uh, I'm calling from Washington, D.C., and my take is kind of an apology <laughs> before I do my take, which is at the beginning of the NACL split, I called into the show and I was like, streamers doing teams is terrible, it's going to ruin league, DSG is going to finish bottom of the league, it's awful, and that's not what happened. And honestly, I was like super impressed with the performance of the team following the stories it was like a really good roster put together on like zero time, which was pretty incredible. Um, so first I just wanted to apologize for that. Um, and what was the second part of my take? Oh yeah, the second part of my take was just uh, kind of based off of that. It is a little unfortunate that the NACL is dying right when it is dying because we... It started to show its potential, both in teams like DSG, TL doing really well, some of the players that have been promoted recently, and we're kind of seeing that some of these teams in NACL are maybe better than certain NACL teams. I'm not naming names. Um, I mean, better than the LCS teams, sounds like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's, there's some diamonds in there that I think it's really not good that they are not getting the shot that they... I don't know what you're talking about because it's clear that the NACL is useless because it never promotes players. <laughs> um, you know, these players are just not good enough to get promoted. If they were, then they'd be a lot better than some of these Listen, the imports. teams always find the best talent. It's, it's never the teams <laughs> in the LCS fault. It's the players not being good enough. Um, that's what we've learned over the years from Academy. The system yeah. just doesn't produce good players. Yeah, you're right. Young is definitely worse than Quinn. <laughs> so, okay. So your your take is it's unfortunate that NACL is suffering now because it has sort of all the ingredients. Well, but, that but before needed. we dig too far into the yeah. take, we need to give Toast a chance to slam his hater. Um, <laughs> this is the best part of the show is when people call in and either they were right for, for shitting on you at the start, like a, at the year, or when they have to come eat their crow because... I mean, they almost never wrong. do that because we don't no. keep track on them. So they, they just call in another bad one. Little yeah. rats go back to Twitch chat once they're wrong. Um, so good for Yami for showing up. Did you get a lot of pushback? And like, what, what was uh, your kind of take on people who might have thought like along Yami's train of thought at the time? Got it. Well, I think first of all, I really appreciate you just calling in and um, acknowledging um, your thoughts at the beginning. And I don't think it was necessarily a wrong thought. I think it's just like... Um, it's either going to go well, it's going to go not well. Um, and I think making a statement and then having to walk it back, like, I don't think you were wrong. I think it was just like an opinion, like, oh, it's a streamer org and it's going to go bad. Uh, and if you look at what happened with our Valorant team, I think we had a lot of hype going in and then we ended up 12 out of 12. Um, so I can understand why some people would think it's, oh, oh, it's going to happen again. But... I think I learned a lot from my first team, like understanding how esports work and coaching and player and culture. And I wanted to avoid making the same mistakes I did for the NACL one. And it started with just like getting good names. And uh, we got recommended Golden Glue. And a lot of it is just, I went five different people. And it's like, hey, Golden Glue, how do we feel about him? And the response ranged from like, yeah, he's I to, oh, I, I think he's pretty good. Not like a bad person to start with. And like we just had a good core with three of the X Cloud Nine members, so um, 
definitely avoided a lot of the same mistakes I made. And streamers, I think, has a has a reputation. Like when you think streamers, you, there's such a wide <laughs> variety of streamers. Like like Ludwig's a streamer, and like you know Kai Sinat's a streamer, and then XQC's a streamer. I would say each of them have different levels of responsibilities and strengths. Um, so I can understand if you don't follow my content. Can you, could you, you give me the responsibilities and strengths for each of those three right now? That would be, I'd be really interested in hearing that. Like Ludwig, for example, he runs a company that has 30 employees. He's paying like all the salaries. Yeah, not the Ludwig ones. The other ones. Uh, <laughs> XQC, you know, he, he's a D-Gen streamer. Like the p- reason why people love XQC is like he will stream for 20 hours and he's going to have some crazy takes. He's going to be animated throughout. And he probably isn't like running a company outside of that. Um, he's has an agent, has a manager that probably does a good amount of it so he can focus on the things he wants to focus on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just different for every streamer. As for uh, the NACL dying part, I, I would say League and NA, like, League and NA's interest is just down overall, which makes it easier for people like me to get in. Because if I want to get in six, seven years ago when League and NA is on the rise and it's on the up and up and I try and come in, I would probably be pushed back on. Um, and that's the reality of things. Like if you want to get, like what we see in Valorant right now is like tons of orgs that's trying to get in so badly, they are spending multiple millions just to get a temporary spot. And um, that's just not feasible for creators like me. Um, so it's kind of like a buy low. Yeah, you're buying narrative. a dip. That's what's, yeah, that's what's dip. so smart. <laughs> there, there's, uh, there's banger deals on League of Legends esports right now. And Toast is, is getting in there. Yeah, they'll make a movie about it. Just like dumb money. Uh, it's also true that even like two years ago, like, I don't know, a bunch of the highest prospect Academy players who were making between 300 and like $600,000. And, you know, that is astronomically more than I think what a streamer, like a grassroots streamer org would actually be able to, to foot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not just like buy low, sell high, but also like you're saying, it's just not like economically possible even back then. Yeah, uh, the salary is a big thing because even like I, I gave the story on stream, but I had a player for an esports title that somewhat popular approached me, and well, their agent approached me and they wanted eight k a month, um, and this person averages like eight hundred viewers, <laughs> and. They just say, well, I'm going to keep it real with you. We're used to 10K, but we're going to give you a 2K discount because of the economy. And I said, bro, I, I'll give you 2000 bucks a month and I'll cover any event travel expenses. And they just said, All right, I'm good. Okay, they come back. Like, How about 6K? And I said, bro, this, I mean, I, I'm not really trying to negotiate. I only have 2K available. And you're not, like, not going to make me even 2K. Yeah. Um, but this might be good for... Branding and marketing. So we just cut contact. Like, hey, best of luck. Maybe we talk in the future. Four months later, they come back and say, hey, look, my player, he's on some hard times right now. We'll take that. We're not even looking for 2K. Can you give us 1K now? Um, And it's like 
the time has passed, kind of. Um, and, and it's just the economy, right? The esports economy. Um, brands aren't spending, teams aren't spending. At the end of the day, if a player is getting paid X and the team's not making X amount of money, then you're just losing money. And that's been the case. Like, are you making 300K from your academy player two years ago? Probably not. Nope. Yeah, but you, ha- you got a brand to give you $1 million because you sold them on a pipe dream. And you took that money and just started spending it, throwing it around. And now it's two years later and the, the golden goose is not shedding out golden eggs anymore. What do you do? Well, you just start firing people. You start cutting people's salary. Um, that's kind of the reality of what's happening. Yeah, I also would push back on the idea that the NACL is dying. I think that, well, I think that the LCS teams are abusing it a little bit. I guess it's the best way to put it. Like the uh, the uh, the NACL is quote unquote dying from the LCS perspective, but I think viewership is maybe higher than it's ever been. And I think with Toast coming in, there's the hope that you'll have other uh, streamer orgs come in. Like I think it'd be really fun to have moist esports in there uh moist moguls whatever they're called um you, you know other other folks as well and i i think there's a world where like the barrier to entry to get into nacl i was talking about this beforehand and mark can can confirm this that like we had talked about if tgi revenue was what it was last year when we had all the sponsors in and everything was booming i think we would right now based off some conversations I had with people about the cost of an NACL team, we would field a TGI NACL team and I'd make Mark GM it for me, which would be super <laughs> fun. And, and I, I'd love that, you know, because, cause it is not NACL is actually, I think a pretty good value proposition in terms of cost versus viewership. And, you know, you don't need to have the players on the roster, year round you're not signing multi-year deals etc cetera, etc cetera. like it is it it's not something that we can afford right now but i think it i i am completely honest with you all where if if we were still doing the spotify show and grubhub was still as invested in the league and sponsoring my stuff and all that type of thing like i would definitely be taking some of that money and investing it into nacl so um i think i think it's actually Quite, fran- quite frankly, I think NACL might be the better value proposition between that and the <laughs> LCS. Um, uh, so. on, on that point about value proposition, you've been pretty honest, Toast, about like expenses and stuff like that. Have you like, because you co-stream a lot of your games, right? Yeah. When, when they're on. So like, is your viewership higher or lower for that? And then you put the, like the VODs often cut up on like your Disguise Toast 2 channel and I've watched a bunch of those. So like, you do kind of monetize the content you're getting out of it, but is it actually more money than you would get just continuing to play Among Us lobbies or like whatever <laughs> else that you would do? Uh, it's still significantly lower. Like I would say the content I make surrounding, for example, the League of Legends team covered about 30% of the spend, um, which is like... It's just fine because at least I'm able to kind of try and make back some of the money. Like the perfect world in my eye is if this team can just run at net zero. I don't even need it to really run at a profit. Um, because in esports, running at net zero is profiting. Um, so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if it's possible to actually 
like what between the Patreon and the watch parties and maybe ads and sponsors in the future to kind of break even. I mean, um, to Travis's point. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish with that. Uh, the big part, what you said was like the like because the cost is so low, it actually might be better to get into the NACL, and that's like the key thing here. Because the content is viable, the content is good, but when you're paying 20 times the return, the value of your get, what, what you're getting, it just doesn't make sense. And that's kind of what happens with like high level franchise esports is like people, it's not really Riot's fault. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say it's anyone's fault, but like, it's not Riot's fault that these orgs are coming in with crypto sponsors saying, hey, Riot. Yo, 20 million for a spot. Yeah, I'll fucking pay it. Like, if all the orgs said, no, that's too much, right? Can we meet at maybe 5 million and 6 million or 4 million? That's more feasible for us. Like, right would maybe have to, like, kind of lower the entry because no one's willing to pay that much. But when you have 10 orgs just lining up to hand ride their money, I mean, what, what's, what's right going to say? It was nah, a lot more than money. 10. Like, it, yeah. was, it was a lot. So, so it's... Like, if people are willing to pay that much, and we are seeing in Valorant right now, where there are orgs paying upwards of, like, 30000 bucks a month for a player. Like, what, what, what do you want Riot to do, right? And what do you want the small orgs to do? We have a guy who's willing to throw his, like, throw investment money into it, crypto money, like, just regular sponsor money into it. You're not going to be able to compete. He's not going to get that value back. You're just waiting and hoping he runs out of money. Like, with what happened to Guard. Like, the Guard can buy the spot. The Guard can pay a shit ton of money for all these esports, a CDL spot, an Overwatch League spot, and you're never going to be able to compete. What do you do? You just wait five years until they realize, holy shit, we lost so much money. Buy everyone. We're out. Oh, now there's a spot available. The other thing I want to mention uh, that when you're talking about stuff helping offset the cost is that an NCL now rev shares, and... I mean, I think it's really funny that they're like, oh, yeah, we turned on subs because I'm sure all the teams are making about $10 uh, <laughs> a, a year from those from the sub rev share on Twitch. But twi- what is significant is Twitch sells sponsors in for Rally Cry. Uh, like the Twitch sales team is now selling sponsorships in for Rally Cry, which is the third party that's now running the NACL. And so with Subway, like they have Subway in, they have another brand to Oturo, I think. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's within like just the past, I don't know, three or four months. And so I definitely feel like there is a world where, you know, for Toast, you know, if you, if you have the Patreon, you have the content, you have the rev share, you have all this stuff. Like I do think there's a world where it break, gets break even. And that's part of why I would have been interested in doing it on the TGI side is I'm like, okay, well, there's a path to breaking even. And even if not, maybe I'm losing, you know, 50 grand or something like that, which would not be good this year, but I think is something I could have afforded to sort of give back to the community last year. So it's also just so weird. Like what in current theory or or a couple of years ago, like was considered a partner because the toast point about like, let's say the guard. um, So I don't have to talk about actual LCS teams. (laughs) Like uh, they have their foot, in a bunch of different games and you're like oh they have a bigger fan base because they have this thing they can try and package up their deals to sponsors and they like try to do all these things but at the end of the day like the crossover fandom doesn't really exist like people mostly follow their one game that they actually care about um there are some crossover fans who's like i'm a team liquid fan i'll watch this roster and that roster but for the most part people stick to their one game and like all these people 
are looking for big ROIs and none of them would say, oh yeah, if I break even, that's pretty good. <laughs> like That is not the perspective of any of the investors that are coming in at, at these kind of price points. Um, and for some reason, we consider them good partners, but not someone like Toast who can operate at much lower costs and is like, no offense to Toast, but like, where's he going to go? Like he, he's in esports and content creation and gaming, you know, like that's his whole life. Whereas like these people can go fuck off and invest in like literally anything else that's going to 5x their returns because that's yeah. what they want to do. 5, 10, 20x. Toast is like, I'll break even. And like somehow the ecosystem convinced itself the other people are better partners than someone like Toast. You know, like it's it's a very weird thing we like mind gamed ourselves into by trying to like basically overextend and become bigger than we could have been. And now it's like we have a bunch of people who probably aren't actually the best partners for the space. No, they are definitely not the best partners for the space. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, Yami, sorry, we've gone a little over on time. So is there any, any final thoughts you have here before I give you your shout out? Uh, no, I just I, I basically agree with what's been said uh, there. When when a lot of the stuff was starting, it wasn't done with an eye for sustainability and it blew up sooner than I expected it to. But it kind of sucks that it eventually has left us in the spot that we are in. And I think that is my only thought on it. Oh, I guess also, yeah, I agree that the NICL is not dying. You raised a good point. Like, for what it's doing, it's doing better than it has in previous years. I should say it sucks that the teams have pulled out when they did. Yeah. But maybe we're getting better partners out of it. And it seems like we might be. So maybe it doesn't suck. Very good. Well, hey, thank you so much. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, I want to shout out Summoner School and... Honestly, yeah, my Alienware monitor, uh, I didn't necessarily get it because of you, because I got it at before, but it yes, is very did. good. <laughs> I got my second one because of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Not the one I'm using. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the shout out. I appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to speed. Mark, are the next two callers for, for Toast? Yeah, I okay. am pulling them We'll, we'll yeah, speed I can them go like a little bit over. You can go a little bit over. Okay. Yeah. I I made the commitment. I was it was double checked with me like, hey, keep it at an hour, and I was like, okay. So I uh, I committed. Wait, uh, what? What is going on? Uh, what did sorry, you do? I, I somehow swapped the waiting room to be above the on air and Discord, and then I pulled everyone into the waiting room because my brain broke. Mark, Mark, so. doesn't. We're on episode 250-something of this, and he doesn't know how to do the show anymore. That's the first time that's happened, to be fair. Uh, Dez is here. Dez, where are you calling from? I'm from Tokyo. Ooh, you're very quiet. Wow. Can you get close to your microphone? Oh, yeah, I got you. I'm calling from Tokyo. From Tokyo? That's wow, right. We have a very international uh, group tonight. Anyway, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, yeah, so uh, what I want to talk about is that the um, professionalization, I guess, for lack of a better word of the esports scene has killed a lot of the hype in the scene. And that's the main reason viewers have been bleeding off for a long time. Um, DSG and Toast have been like super fun to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, you know, Toast got into, into the scene. But I don't think it'll be enough to, you know, change the tides, like bring viewers back or like get new viewers until, you know, this is directly tied to the LCS. Gotcha. Okay, so you, sorry, it, it's, what do you think will, will change it? Uh, sorry, what's the question? The question is, you, you said it won't be enough to change it until something happens. Can you clarify what, what you mean by that? Like, what do you think will will get the LCS back right. into a better spot? 
Yeah, so um, I would love to see initiatives like, you know, um, the, the, the upcoming uh, Eventos is hosting or, you know, DSG um, happening, but I would love to see them tied directly to the LCS, right? Um, and then, you know, there's also a lot of other changes that could be made, but, you know, if we, if we talk about that, we're going to be here all day. So just focusing on that side of things. Okay. So you mean the like disguised, is it the, the NA legends invitational hosted by disguised toast? You would like yeah. to see something like the LCS all-stars hosted by disguised toast, where it's like toast is broadcasting, I don't know, and all-star teams or something like that. If I can put so, some words in Dez's mouth as well, I think like Toast's overall brand as well, like the fucking shitty PNGs that are their logos and stuff. And uh, uh, it's really disrespectful the, the to their designer. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, to Dez's point about the over polish that seems to have happened in the scene, like Toast is a different perspective, a breath of fresh air that's more like the yeah. old days, I think, for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, totally. Um, the. The, the the event right the na legends invitational uh that's happening right it really it reminds me of the old school like um uh tournaments that tsm used to hold on their like like whack-ass streams on their own website right and those were like community run and you know you never knew who was going to show up and sometimes it was like you know the og participating sometimes it was like you know uh Dignitas with two subs, right? And that was really fun to see because it was like, oh, there's something new happening, there's something exciting, right? So that really reminds me of that, right? As opposed to, you know, like a big production where there's like a whole thing happening, right? And and those are fun too, right? Don't get me wrong, but it definitely like feels less. It like has less it's, of that grassroots feel, yeah, right? Yeah, less of a soul. I can I can imagine. All right, yeah. right. You you disagree, Mark? You laugh at no. The I just think it, it's just the idea. It's like yeah, all those fucking soulless corpse. Disgusting. Well, I mean, it does. <laughs> Do you not look at some of these brands and feel like they lack soul? You know, they yeah. No, kind of... I, I don't disagree. I just think it was you were the one who used the word soul, so it was funny. We're soulless. Okay, uh, yeah. Toast. What do you What do you think of all this? Uh, hmm. I think professionalism is important in the sense, that, like structure and accountability and essentially making sure team like players are paid on time like there's the right, right structure for it. you I, I heard there's like an investigation in the nacl right now where one team is accused of actually throwing to another to get them promoted uh, and stuff like that i think when you don't have a professional team when it's just like some amateur random team put together you know riot really wants to avoid that um, when you have a Cloud9, that won't really be an issue because Cloud9 would be risking their entire company um, being involved in something like that. Um, that was, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like where we are, but I do one day want to be in the LCS. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't know like the path to get there. Like I think I'm very happy being in NACL, but it is, yeah, obviously not where my dream go and all be all. Like, I, I talked to the people from NACL, and I think what would be funny if we get all the content creators and just got them all into NACL, and essentially NACL becomes the hype event. Yes. Like, people tune in against Toast versus Mr. Beast, Tyler 1 against Ludwig. 
and I was having this conversation like, with somebody else recently, and yeah, I feel like that's it would in that world NACL becomes more popular than LCS. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's possible because again, money's the big thing, right? We can get five players together, we can get them to be friends and in a content house and create a story around them. But when one t- like an org with a lot of money just tries to get your best player or like your most popular player, and they drop a million dollars a year on that. It is irresponsible for that player to stay, right? If an org is willing to spend a million dollars on him. And that will always happen. Uh, we've gone through that even with our Valorant team where one of our players who was good, but I wouldn't say they were like groundbreakingly good, but they got a multiple tier one franchise org interest because they received so much branding lift from being on DSG. And we told this person, hey, you need to go try out. You need to go entertain this offer. Um, the same thing happened with uh, Zazel. I mean, Zazel, he doesn't need a brand lift because he's just so good by himself and he's known. But throughout our NACL playoffs, I think two or three teams knocked on our door and said, hey, Zazel, we're going to pay you 20 times what Toast is paying you. And it was like, yo, Zazel, I, I think you should really consider this. Um, <laughs> but he turned it down to finish out the season with us. So we like that idea of being like scrappy and like creating storyline. But when you have orgs that are just going to be financially irresponsible, um, it's so hard to have that security. And what's the other option? Put each of our players in contract jail and it's like, nah. He has to stay. Like, if the best option there is to restrict the freedom of our players, it's not a viable option, right? You just say, hey, man, I'm going to wish you the best. If this org wants to spend their entire economy on you, then my goal is you drain their bank account so much, bankrupt them, come back to us in a couple of years, and that's one less competition. <laughs> Sleeper like, agents. Yeah. Siphoning yeah. their money. Um, but I, I think that's kind of what happened with streamers. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think that goes back to the the professionalization side of things, right? Um, now it's a business. Now it's not something you're doing for fun, right? Um, when it was like, you know, season two, you know, uh, TSM isn't dropping a million to, I don't know, buy off Doublelift because, like, what? <laughs> Who has that kind of money, right? And, like, Doublelift would want to join TSM. But as, you know, it becomes a business and people think there is money in it where, you know, I don't think there was money <laughs> that they were expecting. Um, that money, that that kind of money becomes available and those things become possible, right? So I think it's, yeah, I, you're totally right that it's like impossible to kind of reconciliate the two, right? You can't have like a, you know, a league where players are, where there's people expecting to make money and throwing around, you know, millions of dollars. And also, you know, there's teams trying to like stay together and like build content and, you know, have, you know, play together and just compete. Well, I think, uh, I, I wonder though, I don't know if Travis and Toast feel different, if it is actually like mutually exclusive. I think the important parts of professionalism is what Toast hit on with regards to like making sure that your partners in the league actually can pay players and there won't be match fixing and like a lot of the issues that can come up in less regulated scenes that we've seen in esports before. That's something that obviously no one wants. But I hope it doesn't mean that it, in getting that, you suddenly have people who are only in it for the money or you, you have friends or you can't make good content because like for example toast we are the champion video six days ago right around 500k views 
Um, most team content, fucking 10K views. You know, you know, like this is magnitude's orders bigger in terms of what is ultimately the most important thing, which is like eyeballs on the product because we're entertainment products. So like it, it feels doomed if the only way you can get professionalism is to headshot what fans enjoy. I, I don't think that's actually, I hope that's not actually Michio's because I don't think it should. I mean, do we think that Toast in disguise is not professional? Uh, I would say we are very professional in terms of like the players are paid, the contracts are like vetted through multiple law firms. Um, I think our branding is a little off and like the way we do things it's like, right, right. But for you're, you're, you're operating from an ethical sound place. And I think that's what we're talking about is like professional in terms of ethics versus in terms of presentation. And I would I, say professional as opposed to corporate, right? You know, I think uh, professionalism, yeah. I guess, is like paying play players on time, being ethical, right? And corporate is like, okay, there's there's nothing here for me. To, there's no soul, right? Like, yeah, I think early. I think that's fair. And I think, like, to your point, Mark, like, Toast is an example of that. And I think the way you get it is you take people, I mean, like, you have Nick Allen over at Ludwig's thing, and you have Hunter over at uh, Moist Critical's thing, and these people know how to run organizations and perhaps a higher level than Ludwig or Charlie do. And I'm sure that Toast is assisted by people like Julia and Fifth at, at uh, Disguised Toast Incorporated. No, Disguised. Um, and mm-hmm. so that that stuff, I think, is how you do it, right? Where you sort of blend. Because you, this, this, you had this crew of esports people that went whenever the franchising stuff ha- occurred and they went to and partnered with all these people who had a lot of money and all these investors that were coming into the space because they needed, you know, 10 million plus to be able to actually still exist in the space. And if instead those people go to like streamers and content creators, that's going to be, that's going to be really good. Honestly, I'm trying to think of literally anybody else that helps out on the Ludwig and, and, Charlie's side, and I can't think of anybody other than Nick Allen and Hunter, but if anybody else can, shout them out in the chat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where my head is at on, on all this stuff, is like, I think you, I think it's possible you just need the right people in the right places, so. Yeah, I think to Dez's point, uh, maybe professionalism isn't the right word, but like corporate or soulless or um, just um, doing something without the... I without understanding why you're doing it. Like when Mark said, there's so there's like ten esports team and the LCS, and they're all making content, and nine out of ten of them are making videos with less than a thousand views. And that's an editor. That's a cam. That's at least one cameraman. Chances are there's multiple editors, multiple camera crew, um, flying out, filming all the stuff. The production is nice, but the content is trash. And that's like you you invested ten thousand dollars in a video that would get less than a thousand views. Who are you selling that to? The ad revenue on that is five bucks. Are you going to your sponsor, your insurance sponsor, saying like, "Hey, hey, we we did a you know a progressive and AT and T or Verizon whatever video as part of our sponsor contract? We got a thousand views. They're not gonna be fucking happy about that, right? But uh, a lot of these things are just done because these people they think, oh, well, we let's let's just upload a video. Like, but they don't think about 
why you're uploading the video. Like, what's the return? What's the goal? Is it to get brands? I, I saw, I can talk shit about a lot of orgs with specific examples, but let's do the guard because they're going bankrupt. Like, when you look at the guard's <laughs> YouTube channel, like, so many videos, so many signings. Hey, we signed this player. We signed this content creator. 800 views. And it's, it's very well produced. That's the sad thing. Like, these editors are good. These cameramen are good. But, like, who are you making the content for? Like, why? Like, none of this makes sense. Like, this esports shit, none of this makes sense. If you invest $20 million into something... Sure, you can make it look cool, but the goal is to one day make more than $20 million back. It's like, hey, we spent $10 million in this. Let's spend $20 million more, and maybe we can make it scale. Like, you're already in the negative. The only thing you're doing by adding more money into it is like you're scaling, but more into the negatives, right? <laughs> um, it just it doesn't make sense. But professionalism in terms of structure and accountability and responsibility, that is 100% needed because without that, the esports scene is full of sharks and paycheck stealers. I would say the number one <laughs> most common people I meet in the esports scene are paycheck stealers that once had a job at a semi-high-profile esports team seven years ago and been using it to get another job at another esports team and over the last seven years it's like holy wow you worked at 12 esports team you must be really knowledgeable it's, it's not it's because this guy fucking sucks and he gets fired <laughs> after one season but it doesn't matter because they're trying to convince these boomer investors that don't know the the truth behind these numbers and history it's like wow this guy this guy knows his stuff let's give him the bag it's like esports in the last, I would say, four years, is just scamming rich people <laughs> and hoping they don't find out. Um, and now it's, it's time, right? Esports winter here, it's time to pay the piper. People are doing their accounting. It's like, holy shit, this, shit, this, this is a scam. We're, we're getting the fuck out. Look, I am, I'm all for scamming rich people. Uh, but just to be fair to the orgs that you know, are making content that no one's watching, I think it's very hard to make content when there has been very little hype in the scene for the past decade. Yeah, but the orcs are the reason and there's not very much hype in the scene. I, I don't disagree with you, Travis, but I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's responsibility shared between, you know, Riot and the orcs. But now they're in that situation, right? And if, if you look at the, you know, NA Legends Invitational, there's more old school players and streamers than there are current LCS players and um, NACL players, right? And I understand that it's trying to build that hype and I really appreciate that and I think it's going to be a great event. But like, the orgs are in a difficult spot. Yes, they put themselves in that difficult spot, right? But it's like, you know, how do, how do we get them out of it, right? We can't just like keep dwelling on the mistakes of the past. Yeah. yeah. I, I will I, say I will those... Say one... oh, go ahead, Toast. Oh, sorry. I will say one thing nice about the orgs is at the end of the day, all that money they're putting in, all the investments or spending on players, a lot of money are going to players, are going to coaches, analysts, um, production. So it, they're not setting the money on fire. So all that money is going to kids who have a dream, kids who want to have stability. So I am very thankful and appreciative of that. And like Des said, it's tough for orgs. It's like when you don't have a figurehead and you don't have someone who's good at content, 
like, yeah, it kind of sucks. It's easy for me to shit on them because I don't have that disadvantage. And if I were in their shoe and I'm just some schmuck, schmuck not the right. If I'm just some middle level like manager, and my boss is he, here's five million dollars. Make it cool. Make it hype. And that's it. Like I wouldn't really know what to do, especially if I don't come from content. Um, it's it's tough. Like they kind of needed to think about this a long time ago, but it's just there was just way too much money injected all at once with people not knowing what to do with it. I, I also I wouldn't say that all that money goes to players who have a dream. Sometimes it goes to players who just want a BMW or coaches who just want the player's BMW. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's hey, not always going to those places. Respect the Griff, man. All right. You know, I was thinking about this in, in gaming. You have this disgusting like crunch culture ruining the people with the dreams lives. And at the top, you have like Bobby Kotick and these people making tens hundreds of million dollars a year as they cut people's jobs and break in profit uh, record-breaking profits you know esports is the opposite it's a bunch of kids with dreams <laughs> making money off these millionaires who are just like toast said lighting money on fire <laughs> and we're we're collecting the ashes you know so true. so it's actually much better than game i don't know what i'm going with this all right we're we're running low on time we have one more call too so Dees, thank you so much for the call anything you want to oh. shout out did you want to do uh, this one I, it's up to you oh sorry uh yeah shout out to my brother meta he's probably watching this love you bro and uh shout out to emily rand the greatest analyst on the lcs esports journalist award winner of the year of 2020 who will be coming up next very good thank you so much right, to you. toast you have to you have to run i know we're over an hour uh i, I can do one more question but if uh, i know emily's probably waiting i don't mind hopping off either well, let's do let's do this. Let's do an Alienware ad because uh, I've got to <laughs> do one anyway. I know you love them. If people haven't seen Disguise Toast is the best Alienware, I thought I was good, and now it turns out he's wait. So are we are we best. doing another call with Toast or not? Well, if if the next call is relevant to Emily, then let's do that. And if not, then then I think we're just out of time. No, it was for the reason I'm asking. So I need to start pulling new people for Emily. So okay, okay. Just tell me. Well, what you we're do gonna that. Do. You're, I'm going to do this Alienware ship. ad. And we're gonna okay, get so the then show going. okay, we're not doing another toast. Okay, shout it. out to Alienware for sponsoring <laughs> this show. A great sponsor for Hotline League. Uh, they have, you know, Mark might not be able to see clearly the uh, what the situation with the rest of the show, but if he had, well, he does actually. Uh, if if he was playing a gate, he's playing Baldur's Gate three, and he can definitely see clearly in that with an NVIDIA GeForce RTX GPU in an Alienware notebook. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the M18 notebook, which is available now at Alienware.com slash Travis. It's got NVIDIA GeForce RTX 40 series GPUs in them, so you can play the latest games with amazing visuals and for fully immersive gameplay. It's fantastic. Uh, really, really appreciate Alienware support because not only do I get to stream uh, heart or stream content like this to all of you and create content but as soon as i'm uh, done with the stream i'm going to go continue to go through the underdark and Baldur's gate 3 and i'm going to it's going to look great on my alienware desktop but also check out the m18 because it looks great there i actually we i was in palm springs weekend before last and we were using the m18 to play Baldur's gate 3 out there and it it just is beautiful uh Toast, anything you would like to add? You usually have some kind, nice comment about Alienware that you want to throw in there. 
Yeah, I think the nice, I mean, I think their stuff is great. Um, but the most important thing about Alienware is they've been supporting the league scene for a while, like with you and Team Liquid. Um, they sponsor one of my housemates, Sidion, as well. Like they've been like pretty indigenous to the scene and they actually care a lot. And, you know, they're staying here year after year. And I think it's a sponsor like that that makes people in the scene want to do better because at the end of the day, Alienware is spending millions, like actually millions, giving money to people who want to keep League alive. And it is our responsibility. I think people always forget, like, these, these sponsors don't operate on invisible money, right? At, at the end of the day, it's a human being at Alienware going to their boss, hey, I really like this Travis guy. I think we should give him, like you know, 5K this month for um, the stream, the Hotline League. And if Travis doesn't do a good job, the boss is going to go to that guy and say, hey, this was your idea. Now we're, we're fucked. Only one person signed up to buy an Alienware laptop. We're going to pull that sponsorship and we're going to get you fired, right? Like, it's, it's this idea that these sponsor orgs are just free money and we just do our tweet and it's like, ha thanks for the money. Like, we need to give sponsors a reason to come back. And what better way to give Alienware a reason to come back than getting your own Alienware product using Travis's link. There you go. Boom. You're welcome. Thank you, Toast. This is why, this is why Disguise is going to be the most successful business in esports in the next five years. All right. Yeah, thanks, no Toast, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Mark, you have anything you want to say to Toast as a parting, parting words? Uh, no, it's good to catch up with him again after a couple years apart. Um, and hopefully he sticks around the league scene. So I see a lot more of him. Yeah. Toast, yeah, anything well. you want to shout out? I know you maybe plug your event one more time. Uh, yeah. Uh, the NA Legends Invitational 16th, 17th. Uh, shout out to all the league fans who have been super supportive. Um, really appreciate it. Like, like I said, I, I love League of Legends. Been playing it for a while. Now, um, always nice to see Mark uh, going way back, and as you as well, Travis, from our first interview at BlizzCon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of coming full circle for me, and I do want to keep staying in the league scene, and I really do hope league and NA becomes fun again in, uh, in a few years. Would you ever be interested in being in uh, the Valorant scene uh, at a tier one level? Yes, yes. But right now, especially in NA, it's just, I feel like it's what League went through like six years ago when all the orgs are like, well, Valorant, this shit's shiny. You know, how, how much money we got in the back yeah. pocket. And when that happens, in a gold rush, you don't want to be the guy mining for gold. You want to be the guy selling the pickaxe. And that's yep. kind of how I feel in Valorant right now. There's way too much people seeing the shiny things and spending a lot of money. And you don't want to get sucked up into an arms race. You're going to lose that every single time. So I do want to be in Tier 1 Valorant. But I am trying to cook up a strategy that's not just, well, I'm going to get Tier 2 team and pray to God they win Ascension. Because that's you're just playing the lottery at that point. Yeah. Well, maybe it's time for me to do some Valorant content because... Back when League was 
in the heyday and there was the gold rush. That was uh, that was good times for me. All right. Anyway, thank you so much, Toast. We're going to say goodbye to you. You can drop from Skype and Discord, and we'll drag Emily in. So everybody stay with us as we make this sort of awkward in the middle of the show transition, which we've done only a couple times before. Sounds good. Okay, well, thanks. Emily is here, though. Emily, welcome to the show. I'm going to call you in onto uh, onto Discord. Are you uh, are you? Can you hear us? Okay. She is microphone muted currently. Microphone she muted. Might not have been ready. Travis just yeeted her out of nowhere. Well, I think she knew that the show was. Well, maybe she was getting a cup of coffee. Well, like me. What what did what would you have done, Mark? You would have messaged her and been like, "Nothing." No. I'm just saying. I, I hit the I hit the wrong thing on my audio. That is actually the story. I have you at two hundred percent, but you're kind of quiet. If you can, uh, if you can. It is it is a way more boring story than. Can uh, you can you get a little either closer to your mic or turn it up? Yeah, hang on. Oh right, you're not going to be on better? Skype because you told me you couldn't. Yeah. We're gonna find a really great picture of you to. No, to just let her be oh. toast. Just let her be toast. Yeah, let's do that. It's way better than an actual picture of me. I don't want. I just don't want to deal with the. The best, the honestly, the best thing is my resting bitch face in the picture you managed to get when I guarantee you we're getting ready to go on air. And Toast is like doing this like hesitant smile. And then I just look pissed off because I permanently look pissed off because I have terrible resting bitch face. I think I have a better picture that we'll put up here in a second, um, even from that one where it just shows how I mean, enthusiastic. I find that one. I find that one funny, so you can use that one. I have. I might have an even funnier one. One second. <laughs> um, anyway, welcome to the show. Long time no see. When was the last time we had you on? Uh, it definitely couldn't have been this bullet. It was probably maybe last year, actually. Yeah, I, just so everybody knows, I, I do remember. try to get Emily on. She's just often busy on on Monday nights, and so it's it's been. It's been a struggle, but because we're doing this show on Tuesday, because there was a holiday in the states here, it uh, it worked out where you were you were available. So we're glad to have yeah. you on. Um, yeah, I have a lot of time on my hands now. I'm kind of going crazy. Yeah, well, okay. that's all of us right now have <laughs> a lot of time on our hands. Whoa. There's nothing going on in in September. All right, so uh, well, Emily, you have a lot of time on your hands. How are you spending that time? Um, I've been doing a lot of oil painting, uh, for people that may not know, I actually, um, so people might know that my BA is in journalism, but I was also a double major. So I also did it in fine arts with concentration on oil painting. I haven't had a lot of time to oil paint in the past, like so many years. And I was kind of nervous to get back to it because I'm really bad now, um, but it was cool. It's been cool getting back into it and kind of uh, relearning everything I had forgotten. Um, but yeah, so I've been doing a series of paintings uh, from Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, but, and that's been really, really fun and not something I usually have the time to do. Well, it's good to have you on. I, I think your audio is clear, but you are a little quieter than Mark. So I either I guess I can turn Mark down. That's what I do. Um, turn me down and turn everything up. Everybody tell me if I am... If I'm too loud, because I will also need to turn myself uh, down. All right. So 
We have Emily here for the rest of the show. Uh, it should be about 45, 50 minutes left. So I think we're just going to do open lines. I don't think there's anything in specific, in particular, that we're trying to talk about. Did anything? We obviously we, the first part of the show is all dedicated to host, but there wasn't really any big news. There's one big news. Well, there's a couple of little things, but the big news yeah. is that we know for sure BDS is playing Golden Guardian. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. I always forget about Europe, uh, much like I will after Golden Guardians beats them in about a month. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so we could talk about that. And Emily did. Uh, Emily and Mark, did you guys watch those series? No. Okay. I did, yeah. There we go. That's um, why we have Emily on, because she'll watch that shit. I watched the, the LEC series. Um, I also... Uh, there's also the Asian games thing, which I am tilted about, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people even know what's going on. Essentially, they... Um, in the handbook for the upcoming Asian games, which is why the... Um, Worlds is so late this year is to allow for that because it's delayed from previously where they couldn't run it due to COVID. The patch they're playing on is 1312, which is the broken static ship patch. Uh, And it's just like, I've heard that teams can't even practice on it because it's not available on TR anymore. It's just such a fiesta. Um, And yeah, it's really... It's really tilting. Uh, it's, so, yeah. It's exactly what you expect to happen when a non-gaming organization decides to run something. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of washed my hands of of getting excited about that just because I feel like it's going to be a shit show. Wasn't there something? It's not just the patch, I thought, right? Isn't there something else? Oh, the casters aren't allowed to say, like, kill or blood or something. I saw this conversation yeah. on Reddit, so it's, it's uh, you know, allegedly from Reddit, but there's, like, a bunch of restrictions on what they can say. The casters have to, like, reword everything they're going to say, which is super fun. Yeah, it's it essentially, like, based on a lot of the stuff that's coming out about it, it essentially sounds like it's just run by people who aren't as familiar with, like, esports as opposed to traditional sports. And that's really sad because... Um, for people that don't know, one of the reasons why this tournament could actually be quite a big deal is because if the South Korean team wins uh, gold medals, it can actually affect whether they have to like stop down their careers to do the mandatory military service, which all South Korean men have to do. Um, and that's a big deal. And to have that be played on a best of three, like have that be up to like a, a rumored best of three on thirteen twelve is is just really tilting, right? Because it does have a very big impact on uh, people's lives if the South Korean team wins. So um, you know that's that's why like I'm kind of super tilted because do- this does mean a lot to a lot of people, uh, specifically those players, but also obviously fans of those players fans of League of Legends as a whole, like fakers on that team, literally the best player to ever play the game. So um, yeah, it's it's a tournament that like has a lot of meaning that is seems to have a lot of weird issues around it. Um, and that's not great. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they will just get roasted for this because I'm sure I bet you there's going to be issues with the broadcast. I'm sure it's going to be really awkward like i it's just we've seen stuff like this before and so i it's 
easy to predict how much of a shit show this is going to be. And while sad for the reasons you mentioned, like, you know, hopefully the organizers will realize that they need to actually know what the fuck they're doing uh, for future versions of this. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So uh, should we get into calls, Let's Mark? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, it looks like we've got about uh, five callers waiting in the rings. Wings. Uh, and I miss Des. I, I know I typed it in chat, but Des is actually a friend of mine from anime blogging. Oh, really? Yeah, we used to play League together all the time. He was one of the first people I like played League with. Yeah, well, uh, it's too bad they didn't call in whenever you were on the show because that would have been that would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got Chad Cyberdemon here. Chad Cyberdemon, where are you calling from? Hey, I'm calling from uh, Quebec. From where? Quebec. 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 Gotcha. Well, welcome back on, or welcome to the show. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? So I want to know. I know uh, MD worked with you at uh, Yahoo. Yes. As a journalist. So I'm wondering, how do you go from journalist to broadcast talent? And I mean, when Emily came there, she was pretty much liked right away. So how do you make sure the transition is good? And what do Riot wants in their broadcast talent? Ooh, I can't wait to hear Emily talk, respond to the I was liked right away part. Because uh, yeah, if there's um, one thing I know, Emily has, it's a lot of personal confidence. Uh, yeah, I have loads of personal confidence um so if you want the actual like straight up story um i think it's a i like to say that i was very lucky uh just due to timing um that's not to say that the work and effort i put in at yahoo at espn did not matter because it obviously did um however the actual coordinating how i ended up on broadcast was very random um, I had applied for a different job within Riot because the ESPN vertical was completely slashed. And so I, my job was just like cut completely. Um, and so I was then approached by one of the then LCS producers. Now he works, I believe on the global team. I know he does a lot of stuff with Valorant, uh, Dave Stewart, um, and he was like, we're looking for a lot of people for the broadcast. Uh, and I saw you applied to, you know, this other job internally. And I know that ESPN is dead. Would you like to give a shot at being on broadcast? And I don't think I typed this in the DM, but my entire thought process around it was, I think I'm going to be shit, but sure, why not? Um... And I think on the whole, my, my initial arrival on the broadcast was definitely due to the fact that they wanted to trial a great deal of people. That was the first year in 2021 that they decided to do the Made by Many. Um, we were all streaming from home, which was an adventure. Uh, like, I remember, I think one of my first appearances is like me, Alarim, and Crumbs, if I remember correctly. Um, like they were trialing a lot of different people. They were doing a lot of different permutations of what the desk was going to look like, what casts were going to look like. Um, and yeah, I was really nervous. I think when I first came on stage, I was particularly bad, uh, in terms of body language and stuff like that. I think I've improved somewhat from then, but, um, I still have issues 
with that to this day. I still have issues like broadcast cadence and like all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of the groundwork for getting that initial call for it was definitely just done through a lot of the interviews and uh, written features I did. Um, in which case, I do have to admit, uh, a lot of it is just dedication and being insane and watching all major regions and not sleeping and, you know, torpedoing my own health, um, which I wouldn't recommend anyone do to themselves. Um, but uh, a lot of that was also, I think, because I was already trained a little bit. Uh, like I said, I, I did study journalism in, in college, uh, so that helped a lot also. Uh, that's not to say that you need one. Honestly, for anyone trying to get on broadcast now, my advice to them would just be to stream and somehow become a popular streamer. Uh, and that's probably going to be your best avenue, quite honestly. Um, I don't know if this answered your question whatsoever, but that is actually what happened to me. Yes, it did. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I also just think like, as somebody who worked with you, you put in a lot of work to try to get more comfortable on camera um, mm -hmm. because I know that that was something that you weren't initially comfortable with. And and at Yahoo, you started to really pick that up. And it, it was it's really cool. Like, I had a tweet about how cool it was to see you and Kelsey, you interviewing Kelsey during yeah. playoffs with the, the EG match because – People might not remember, it was very short-lived, but we had League Weekly, which was me, yep. Mark, Emily, and Kelsey. And seeing the path that both you and her take, while Mark and I basically stayed stuck in the same spot. You know, we're still doing the show. Uh, that, I think, has been just really neat to see, like, the growth that you've had and everything that's gone on because... Yeah, I mean, I I remember I think whenever you had joined Yahoo, you were mostly only wanting to write, and now yep. you are on camera like almost every week. It's great. I also think uh, on the whole being liked instantly thing, it's true that no one's ever everyone's cup of tea, and like there's always going to be haters. But I think like big picture, looking at the overall rece reception, it is one of the best that people have had to like new talent stepping on the screen. Um, there's people who get a lot more shit for longer, though I'm sure, you know, you saw plenty in your DMs or wherever people are going to send harassment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, it's hard. So it's hard just being really self, like a self-critical person. I mean, Mark, you work with me every week. You know how annoying I am to work with. Um, oh yeah. Terrible. And, uh, like it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I know people say this a lot. Um, actually, I think Medios, whenever I talked to him about how he had always talked about like how bad um, looking at Reddit and looking at Twitter was for him a lot of the time, regardless of whether people were saying nice or mean things, because like that's not always the feedback you should take. Uh, I thought it was a really good take. Um, it was always really good to talk to Will about that kind of stuff, actually. Um, but yeah, I'm the kind of person who like sees one mean comment and just is going to like laser in on that, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I I'm very like self, uh, deprecating, I guess. Uh, 
Oh, good. I, I should I should say, given that we were talking about, oh, what happened this week? One thing we forgot to mention was Gabby stepped away from the LCS broadcast. Uh, and I don't want people to think that was the gloss over it. Totally forgot that happened this week. My sleep schedule was fucking nuts with like the jury duty thing with Ashton and all that stuff from last week. So I totally forgot that happened this week. Uh, that is news. I don't know what we have to say about I, it. I think uh, it happened like on Tuesday and and... So it was one of those things where I think it happened like right after. Am I crazy? I feel like that's when it happened. I have um, no idea. I, I honestly have no idea. We're we're in such a weird. I mean, you heard Emily say it, but I think Mark and I are in the same spot. Where like because there's no League of Legends in North America or anything relevant to like there's just such a dead zone right now on stuff happening relevant to all of our careers that. It, it just everything feels like a bit of a blur, um, but yeah, yeah, it was Tuesday that she she announced this, so folks can go check it out and see her post about it. Um, but I, I people who watch the show for a long time know that I was very unhappy with the way that many people treated Gabby um, during her tenure, and uh, she, I've said it previously, but she's one of the nicest people, and uh, sort of the the venom that people sort of chased her with i thought was really really frustrating and disappointing so uh yep. yeah all right yep. uh chad Cyberdemon, thanks for the call anything you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller yeah shout out to emily keep doing what you're doing shout out to rift reaction bring back rift reaction <laughs> And shout out to Alienware. I bought the Norora number something like five years ago. Still runs everything at max setting. So, yeah, pretty good. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Glad to hear. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right. Uh, off Mark goes to grab the next caller. Thank you to a bunch of subs that have come in. Okay, where were we? I realized we didn't get any for a while. Uh, Down Os, Big Angry Hobo. Robert Bruce, Goat Overlord, Prune Poon Cake, P U N E C A K E, Cree Cactus, Apple Thief, Shoot Showtime, and SC Asian Degen. All right, we've got our next caller here. Caller, what's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Laser Fruit, and I'm calling from Southern Ontario, Canada. Laser Fruit. Nice. What do you want to talk about on the show? So, my take is that uh, Golden Guardians will 3 1 BDS in the World Qualifying Series. And they will be the second strongest team from North America at Worlds. The second strongest team. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, let's start with why you think that they're going to do so well against BDS. Um, I think, obviously, Golden Guardians did not have a great playoffs. Um, but I think the, is it six week long break that they have? Well, yes. They'll find their I think it might be more than six again. weeks, but yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll find their footing again and... Obviously, they were really, really good in regular season, and BDS has been pretty shaky for most of the year in Europe. So I think just like across the board, GGS is better than BDS. All right. And why do you think they're going to be the second best? Because I have no faith in Cloud9. and Oh, so you don't have Cloud9 I, as the first. <laughs> I, I have think it's even spicier. Oh, Why you think Cloud9 is going to be the first? They didn't win LCS. They didn't win LCS, Travis. Okay, I just, continue. 
Um, so I think energy will be the best, then Golden Guardians, then TL, then Golden Guardian, or um, then Cloud9. But okay. Um, I think TL has some very strong spots, but APA has been a pretty glaring weak point, I think, and especially going internationally, I think he might be an issue. Um, and I think energy of all the teams, I think, has the highest potential to be really good. All right. Shining Drake uh, in the chat says C9 straight up chokes internationally. Has the narrative yes, shifted? Because here's <laughs> the thing. I like, okay, this I know I'm an energy hater, blah, 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 blah. I'm setting that aside for a second. I thought the narrative, <laughs> generally speaking, for everybody was like, oh, we only believe in C9 internationally. No, and now, no. What, what always happens is your best team, people only watch North America, and then they see their best team get railed, and they're like, oh, they must have choked. And it's no way that this is actually indicative of the skill levels of these teams. And so whatever is the best team in North America will always end up being hated because of what happens there nationally. Uh, happened to TSM, happened to Team Liquid, now it's happening to Cloud9. Uh, though they aren't going first this time, but they have been one of the, the teams we've been sending for a while. Like, this Can is I just what happens. Gotcha. Can okay. I explain why I think Cloud9 will be the worst? Sure. To be honest, I vote no because I don't care about that part of the tape. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. About, let's focus on I the, on the GG BDS stuff. That's fine. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot. It's true. We have to get through some stuff. Okay. Uh, so, Emily, you watched the BDS series. What do you think of the matchup? So I was I was actually going to ask you and Mark uh, how much BDS you guys have watched. Uh, I'm just I'm I've watched enough that Batum's going to get trashed by Licorice, and uh, <laughs> that's really all that matters is that this guy is running around Europe, sometimes doing very well, sometimes not. But I, uh, I watched you know, the Twitter takes from people pouring in, where like half the people on the timeline were like, "Oh man, this team's going to get smashed by Golden Guardians," and then the other half were like. Oh man, there's no way that Golden Guardians is going to be able to deal with this. So, I put me know. in camp one. Fucking BDS. This is the freest path to worlds Golden Guardians could have ever hoped for. Yeah, you're gonna have to carry us on this one, Emily. Uh, so I'll say, uh, analytically, one thing um, that kind of because like the BDS uh, fanatic series was. A, a pretty big it, it was it went all five games uh a lot of mistakes were made by both teams um the golden guardians tl series was also an incredibly messy series there was that whole delay uh in the final final game um during that series though regarding golden guardians i did think that for the most part, outside of maybe one game, if I'm remembering correctly, I actually vastly preferred Golden Guardians drafting during that. And it was their actual execution and play that looked really, really shaky and really sloppy in that series. Um, by contrast, I actually think weirdly, like, so like if we're saying what we expected of Golden Guardians just due to their in-season performance and to some extent, I think people like uh, Laser Fruit, you yourself said you thought they did pretty well at MSI. Like you thought they were the better looking team at MSI, even after losing to C9. Um, yes. I, I assume that's coming across from the uh, BLG series mostly. Um, but I, so I think like our, our expectations for Golden Guardians were a lot higher this summer. And they definitely fell very short of those expectations in the TL series. 
Um, especially with some of the drafts they had, I thought they performed pretty poorly uh, in that series compared to what I know that team is capable of. Um, to that extent, I actually think BDS lost in the same way, if that makes sense. Like they looked about as good and as bad as I expected of them. So if they are going into that series and Golden Guardians is still like, like the question then becomes how much do you believe in Golden Guardians to fix their issues before they face BDS, right? Because I actually think like BDS performed about as I expected. Um, I wasn't sure who was going to win between them and Fnatic, to be quite honest. Uh, but like going into the series, that is. So then um, who... Especially with the Wonder Swap. But so who like, do you if, think? if both teams are playing the same as the last time I saw them, then I would give the edge to BDS. Oh. If Golden Guardians can return to what we saw from them in like at around MSI and then throughout regular season this past summer split, then it will go to GG. Sorry, yeah, my, I know that's like a convoluted like cop-out answer, but that's my honest opinion. My biggest concern is just the sheer amount of downtime that Golden Guardians has. Like I, This is my big worry for all the North American teams. And I, Whenever I have these conversations, this is when the comments show up and they're like, <laughs> can't believe Travis even... What do you mean worried? They're all going to suck anyway. Uh, but the like whatever setting that aside i worry about north america because it's just like such a giant fucking gap before world starts and i feel like that does not really do us any favors um i worry how sort of out of shape and you know just caught off guard they're going to be whenever they have to end up hitting the rift as it were so I am very curious. Forest Police says they're going to Korea, though. I think Gory is going to recharge and be saddy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I just don't know. Like, scrims and and solo queue are one thing, but whenever you have other teams that have played more recently or, I don't know, I just, it's such a weird timeline. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I think Emily's assessment, at least of the Golden Guardians angles, when I totally agree with where if... Gory is just struggling and you know River doesn't look as good as he did then it's it probably will be very hard um yeah I mean I don't have super strong opinions because I've only watched like a couple BDS series over the course of the year usually like late in season I didn't even watch this one but I watched like um when they were in the second place match you know uh versus mad yeah all right uh laser thank you for the call anything you want to shout out I'll shout at Alienware and shout at Emily. Please cast more. Yeah, I'm ready for the Emily Caster era in 2024. <laughs> Thanks, Laser Fruit. All right, Mark is off to grab the next caller. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to September happening right now. If you are somebody who subs to this channel, you can get big discounts on subbing for multiple months. So if you're like, oh, I'm probably going to sub to Tra Travis for the next couple months. Just do yourself a favor. I still get the same credit. Just save yourself some money. Open up that sub button and, lo and lock in a, a couple months. And if you are somebody who just hasn't subbed yet or you're thinking about subbing, uh, subbing right now, there's some pretty big discounts. Uh, so just do me a favor. Hit that sub button. Take a look at the discount and decide if that's something you're interested in because September 
is where it's at. And as I say that, a scam train starts on the channel. So that worked out really well. Uh, our caller is here. Caller, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from, from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. <clears throat> Sorry. From Massachusetts? Uh, yeah, Boston, Massachusetts. And what's your name? Uh, Fearden. Okay, gotcha. And what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, my take is that um, the LCS desk has been super entertaining this year. Lots of good shows. Catching up with the double lift is a banger. Uh, triathlon thing has been a lot of fun. My issue is that I just don't think it matters for viewership because people aren't tuning in to watch that content. They're tuning in to watch the games. And that content can keep them around. It doesn't help when peak viewership is really low. And I think the reason for that is that the LCS desk can be entertaining, but they can't really create narr like compelling narratives out of thin air. The teams themselves need to be interesting, and then the LCS desk can ask can act as like a, a multiplier for that, right? But they just like they can't like create a, a story for us to get interested in the teams. Yeah, um, I don't blame the LCS desk because I think one of the big issues is the players keep rotating in and out, so it's hard to create any kind of established narrative. Uh, Mark, I threw to Emily first on the last one. Why, why don't you go first on this one? Ugh. No. All um, right, Emily, why don't you let us know what you think of this take? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Does he like this on the uh, analyst? He's not like this on the analyst desk. I kind of want to kind of chuck it back to Mark, but uh, I mean, I can, I can give <laughs> oh, wait, my take. I, okay, I'll, I'll go first. It's up to you. I was I was trolling. I don't. You Mark, go first. Mark, go first. Okay. Okay. Uh, I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree. Um, I feel like there are a lot of narratives in the LCS, and I feel like sometimes we don't always do the best job of covering them. I felt like in playoffs there are so many things I want to say about a lot of the teams, but then like. I don't know. I feel like it's like so crammed then. And it's like, why didn't I say some of this stuff earlier in the year? I also like it's hard to get some of the narratives out during the regular season when things are so fast paced, especially in a compressed schedule. Where people are just up and down and left and right. And it's like hard to paint a individually compelling picture. Uh, I agree with some of what you say about the teams maybe not doing the best job getting their information out there. Like, I don't feel like the teams champion their players stories at all almost um you know they'll like interview them and they'll like ask them about stuff but like we're the ones talking about how many titles Sven might have won or whatever and we're doing replay files and we're the ones talking about palafox's career going up and down a lot and like i have my timeline graphics or we're talking about like who he's made a bunch of finals in a row and that fbi might make a bunch of finals in a row and i feel like I don't know what those teams should do to participate in that more throughout the year. Um, but I do wish that there was more of it going on and not all of it feeling is getting crammed at the end of the season by us. Um, I mean, part of the challenge, Mark, is they don't have the teams don't have any kind of microphone. Like the people aren't watching their content and a lot of them don't get very much social engagement. I'm not suggesting well, that that's not like an issue. I'm just saying like, it is when I try to think about a solution to this, I I'll, don't know what it is because I don't I'll know how to get one. It out there. Yeah. If you give us content, we will play it on the broadcast. Most teams do not work to create content that doesn't also exist on their own social channels. But 
I would argue that if you want to build a brand, the best way to do it is the most watched thing. And the most watched thing is the LCS product, the LCS broadcast. And um, most teams don't engage with the LCS broadcast particularly. Some do, you know, like players do, and they'll come on and do interviews and stuff like that. But I, I feel like we're not handed many pieces that they crafted and they're like, hey, run this about our players or something. I think of the teams that actually interacted with us and gave us an initiative, and Emily can remember this, it was Team Liquid. And I'll be honest, it was this really cringe pitch deck full of like corporate buzzwords, but then they actually lived up to it. Yeah. Which was surprising. I thought it was just going to be super cringe with some like, high level creative director type person made this thing and like sent it to us and we all went through it and we're like, okay, TL, great. But then they actually did a lot of the things they said they wanted to do. So Team Liquid is an example, I think, of someone who did do a good job with this. I think like FlyQuest tried in various ways. You know, I don't think it's like everyone's terrible, but like if you're an org that isn't that popular, like, yeah, you can put it on your YouTube, then like also ask us to do it if it's really good. If it's not good, we might not do it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, a lot of the times when people make content, they make it for YouTube as opposed to making like a little featurette that can just live on its own about their player or something like that, which I think would be a better use of their resources than creating some like cringy, terrible thing that gets 5,000 views on YouTube. That's a terrible use of resources. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair, that's a fair comeback. Um, and, and to be fair to the team, I, I, I don't still stand Ryan by the fact that, push... sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, to be fair to the teams, the, the, it's not like riot is like constantly knocking on their door. Like, Hey, where's your content or something, you know, that as well. I mean, the, it still stands to the point that like they don't have their own microphone, like them giving you that you are correct and that they can use it. But if you're like the teams aren't you're frustrated that the teams aren't pushing this stuff, them putting it on your broadcast is still you pushing it. They've just done the work for you, which I think is reasonable to say, like, hey, we want you guys to pitch in on this as well. But again, it's not like the teams that are really pushing it in those moments. Well, I agree with that as well. And we have talked in the past about how teams have headshot themselves on YouTube and, and they, 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 shot, they, they took their microphones and they stuffed them in the ground for no reason. When we talk about how they split their channels away, you know, they like their Cloud9 channel, which had all their league fans sub to it over the course of their five years. They then like take that over to be their main channel for all of their content that no one gives a fuck about. And then they make a new channel called Cloud9 LOL, which now has like a tenth of the viewers and subs and stuff like that or you know like all the teams have done this we, we went over this yeah I, do you do I, I it would be like if riot had like a lol esports youtube channel and then they split that out and created something all <laughs> called lcs official and now both those channels get far less views on their content because well i would say at least lol esports was always the conglomerate thing it wasn't like they co-opted some fucking lol it's not like they had the lcs youtube channel popping off and then they put you know, like it was everyone's little dumping ground, which is not really good anyways. But I mean, that's it's the exact same thing, Mark, except I think there's less reason for Riot to have done it because at least they had a centralized channel that was all League of Legends esports, whereas like the teams had were putting like fucking Rocket League shit on their their main channels in addition. To I mean, like I think there's stuff. slight differences. I agree. Neither are great practices, but the difference is there's still some products that we put out that get views. There are none for almost any teams now. Um, you know I mean like our, our viewership went down a ton too, but like the dive still gets decent views. The fact that the teams don't have a microphone, it's like, well, whose fucking fault is that? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, no. And I, then that when, when I said it, I said, that's not to say it's not a problem. It's more just addressing the fact of like, I don't, I don't know what the solution is because to, to your, to the problem you posed, because this is something they are lacking, right? Like it's, it's kind of like cart before the horse in terms of like, oh yeah, they could try to push these 
these things, but they're going to be pushing them in 800 viewed uh, YouTube videos and you know Twitter posts that get like 12 likes or something yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yep. it's it's an issue. All right, uh, Emily, small, oh, go ahead, caller. Andrew, I just wanted to, to bring up, and maybe you guys can comment on this as well. Um, I feel like player-driven narratives, or like player-oriented narratives, aren't as compelling as team-oriented narratives. And I know that everyone's pushing player-oriented narratives with like interviews and stuff like that. But like, I feel like I'm more interested in a team when the team is like we are the like, you know, like NRG is like the the North America team kind of. Dude, and, but like, they're the North American team for how long? Like, this is a I. I'm not trying to be aggressive with you. It's more just like the reason why everyone relies on player narratives is because the teams have no brand. They have no storyline because they change who they are every five seconds. And well, like, I agree with you on that. But I think you can maintain a, 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 a team-oriented narrative even if you change out the players if you are cohesive, right? Like if you're co- – like EG – Previously was the rookie team because they had like Danny and Jojo and then they dropped Danny, but they picked up like revenge and um, some other new play, some other like newer talent. And so they've I mean, kind revenge of revenge is not newer though. Story. Right. He's like, not I don't... new, but he's not like, an, you know, he's not like a veteran import player. He's been on Immortals. No one's like. Sure. You could say that they're kind of development, but like jo- revenge has been around yeah. for a while. The, yeah. the only thing you can say about EG, in my opinion, is they're the Jojo Pian team. But then that's just a player narrative again. Right. Like. I don't think that's the that is in my opinion the only narrative that carried over between the team from last year and the iteration that they put together for When Sunday. you had Impact, Vulcan and Inspired and all three of them are gone, the remaining through line is Jojo, which is just a player narrative to Travis's point. Um, and I do think you you might I see think it both ways. I see it both ways. Teams might be a compelling narrative to you and you should, you know, cover everyone's bases and find teams with compelling narratives, but for most people players are actually easier to connect with. Um, they're more human stories. They'll tug at your heartstrings. They can do these things that like a team will really struggle to do, given that there's no geolocation, all the issues with teams branding we've talked about before. Yeah. Uh, do you want to chime in here, Emily, on any of this? Regarding like content on the LCS uh, driving viewership in any way, um, this might get me fired, but I mean, I do, <laughs> I do agree with the caller in that, like, I think the product that we've put together this year was like really entertaining. I also don't think it helped move the needle whatsoever regarding viewership outside of retaining more viewers in between the games themselves. Um, so that's like, I a big agree. Uh, I didn't even know that was like a controversial take. Um, and then in terms of uh, player narratives as opposed to team narratives, I think overwhelmingly it's a lot better to focus on players for a lot of reasons. One, I think um, in, in regards to the way we've structured our broadcast this year, a lot of it is pre-recorded uh, content or like skits and, and stuff like that. That's essentially done in a modular fashion where we're filling it in during certain post and pre-games. And it's already set. We're just trying to match like, okay, this, this player is in this or like this has a compelling thing to say about this player and they're on this team and in this matchup. And that's where we're going to be able to slot this in. Um, and I think it has led to, as Mark already alluded to, a really a real big difficulty in terms of telling 
game narratives overall in terms of how teams are doing and then also in terms of players game to game to game across the breadth of the entire split right so like how a team is doing analytically and internally at the beginning of the split compared to when we actually start talking about a lot of these milestones more so in playoffs for both players and teams i think having this kind of modular pre-planned content makes that particularly difficult to track over a split and i don't think it's something our broadcast did particularly well to begin with previously um and then additionally um with players in terms of player personalities not even narratives if you are doing the kind of modular pre-plant content that we have been doing it is a lot easier to attach yourself to a player even if they're on something that's in no way related to league like they're showing up on catching up with double lift and they have to get in a suit and go down a slip and slide and eat a hot dog or um they have to or they're doing the triathlon and treats season and he's like look guys you all fucking suck at making a bed i'm gonna go make a bed way better than you and actually succeeds like that's very fun it shows off his personality um and so that kind of content is actually really great for very specifically attaching you to a player's personality outside of the game regardless of how they're performing in game uh, and you can say whether that's a good or a bad thing. Like you can argue whether that's a good or a bad thing. But I think in terms of attaching people to players, that's another reason why it's so much easier to do that as opposed to attaching people to a team. Because even like if I think of the one team I am a fan of in um, League of Legends, everyone knows if you know me at all, it's fucking KT Rolster. Um, and that's because I had a really formative emotional experience with the team I saw in 2013. And I somehow managed to carry that through with the team itself. I think that's actually quite rare. I think most of the time people attach themselves to players and then they might abandon whatever team they're on and just follow the player going forward. Hey, thank you so much, uh, caller. Oh, Mark. Sorry. We're, we're no, no, you, you can say goodbye to the caller and then I'll just. Thank just you so much, caller, quick. for your take is there anything that you want to shout out before we say goodbye um just want to shout out uh the players on the guard i saw what was going on with them in, in the valorant scene and like that's that shit's fucked so uh hope they they pull through uh and thanks to you guys for for hosting the show every week yeah thank you so as a quick mention for anybody who because we made several references to the guard we're not going to explain all that stuff but i do have a video on my channel about riot and how they've been treating players this year and i would go check that out if you're interested in understanding a little bit more if you haven't seen that video all right uh mark you uh, want, oh, go ahead i was just gonna throw in the, the quick thing that like emily's i don't know if it's controversial i don't know if it's controversial or not either but i think even if it was prior this split should be the uh, nail in the coffin for any controversy around that considering broadcast sentiment up was seemingly much higher up than it's been in recent years regarding the content and desk and stuff like that but viewership is overall down so i think to your point yeah it can definitely keep people around and entertain between games but we are around 20 percent of the broadcast total and the other 80 percent is gameplay yeah it increases um, viewer retention but not viewer acquisition yeah yeah big agree yep. huge shout out to Corey lulu for 69 months thank you for subbing for that nice. long very nice Thank you to Poggies Woggies, iNuber, Dusky OG, Don Nardo for the subs. Emily Rand, are you playing Baldur's Gate?
No, I still need to. That's one thing I need to start soon. Yeah. Get into is, it. Uh, that, that's the next game I need to play. All right. Our caller is here. Caller, what's your name and where are you from? Hey, my name is Silvecki and I'm from uh, New York City. Silvecki, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, well, I think that the best way for the West to win at Worlds is by developing creative strategies rather than just playing the meta. I think Eastern players are like just these mega grinders that really hone in on the like quote-unquote correct way to play League. And they're better at that than anyone else. And the way to defeat a player like that is to put them in an uncomfortable like matchup or unfamiliar game state. I've been doing that. I was just about to type this to you, Mark. I've been doing the show for so long that I'm just like, well, it's that time of year again. It's the try to catch them off guard instead of playing the meta or doing the things that the other teams but are Travis, do, now Emily is here to share her I want, I it. want someone this has nothing to do with the caller and I'm so sorry for bringing this up but I, I want someone to call in and just read the old just tilt them post that yeah. is still up on the league subreddit it is amazing it is a, a piece of league of legends history that needs to be memorialized. Just uh, tell anyway, them. yeah, um, I think there's a massive generalization that goes on in terms of lumping all Eastern teams or even all LCK teams at this point. Um, previously, I would have said a lot of the LCK uh, kind of like uh, copies and plays very like monolithically or, or uh, you know uniformly, I guess. Um, and to some extent, I guess you could still make that criticism, but I think a lot of the actual picks and strategies that the LCK teams um, play, they, they play quite differently from each other a lot of the time. Um, and then LPL teams, man, they have, they have some very defined play styles, and they also, a lot of them are, are very willing to play a lot of things that they themselves are just comfortable with. Um, and some of it is meta dependent, but a lot of it is just that like Ben wants to play Gwen and he's going to play Gwen if he sees an angle. And a lot of the time he's going to see an angle because he thinks he's that good. Um, so, yeah, I think I think uh, I don't disagree with the idea of um, if an NA team or a European team wants to try to take down a South Korean or Chinese team from the LPL or the LCK, they shouldn't play to their own strengths and focus more on what creative strategies they can come up with themselves and kind of ignore the meta. Um, so I don't disagree with that part of the take, but I think looking at how LCK and LPL teams play as very rigid and, and strict is uh, a bit of a relic of the past, in my opinion, having watched both of those leagues this year. Um, I will say, as a... Just a note on this world, I have no idea what the F is going to happen at this year's Worlds, considering the amount of time and the patch variance that's going to happen, even from um, something like LEC or... I believe CBLOL, PCS, and VCS all have their championships coming up uh, this weekend. Um, so there, there's just like whoever you end up scrimming is actually going to be so important 
And you're not going to know how important or if those strategies are even going to work until they start going against each other, which makes the first few like bits of worlds like super, super interesting as a as a viewer. Um, but I have no idea what that's going to mean for like how good teams look right off the bat, because I think it's going to be heavily dependent on the scrim partners you can find. Well said. I don't have anything to add. Great. <laughs> I think Emily crushed that answer. I think I think every team from every region should be looking to upset the to, to play something unconventional and unexpected against their opponents. And I don't think that that needs to be like a this is what NA will do is our means of doing it. I think like like every team should be looking to figure out how to crack the meta or how to do something that their their opponents don't expect. Um, but I also disagree with the idea that like North America should just settle into our inability to be competitive and thus just try to cheese out wins left and right because I don't think that that's sustainable over the course of a a world's tournament. You know, it might get you out of well, I guess there's no groups anymore, but let's pretend there was. It might get you out of groups somehow in like a tiebreaker against Europe, but like I don't think that it's it's going to really make that much of a difference. So yeah, I, I, I think. Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Oh, I guess I'm I'm more talking about like the the best way to play League of Legends isn't necessarily the one that's featured every patch because we get like a new patch every two weeks. It's very easy to just focus on those changes. But like a good example was like last year at Worlds when Heimerdinger support came out, and that was something that was in the game for like six months before that or something like that. Um, I think that like spending more time trying to find those, those picks like earlier on and putting more of an emphasis on that, uh, would be like really helpful. Every team should be doing that yeah. though. Well, I yeah. mean like, so, so I think everyone agrees with the statement that you're making. The, the problem is that if you're a team that is worse than these teams that you're scrimming and you're losing 80% of your scrims, no matter what you pick, it's hard to identify Ooh, that Heimer thing was actually a good idea compared to, ooh, just slamming Renata and Lulu because, like, I lose every fucking game anyways. And it's really hard to evaluate that from a losing position. So I think a lot of teams have difficulties figuring out what is actually working. And then it's very scary to then say, okay, this thing lost every game, but we think it's tricky, so we're going to go play it now on stage in front of millions of people. Like, that's a, that's a tough sell. And I think that's why you see a lot of teams who are not favored still defaulting to homogenous picks is because... They tried probably to find something, and they're just not convinced they found anything. Fair. Thank you, thank yeah. you so much, caller, for your call. Sorry if we tried to rush you along a little bit. We're just running lower on showtime. But anything you want to shout out? Uh, no, not really. Hey, thank you guys for for hosting this show. I've been a, a long time lurker, so you know, awesome I, to be here. I love it when we get uh, somebody who's been looking for a while and gets on the show because it's fun. I mean, I like our regulars too, but it's. It's always nice when people who are, who maybe haven't been like, yeah, I've got to take, they, they decide to throw their hat in the ring. So thanks so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. See you guys. All right, we've got one final caller. Thank you to Badger Yar, Kensked, Z Warden, T1 Chronicler, and Coop, Coopum. Thank you for the prime. Thank you, everybody, for the subs. Uh, we got Prongs here as our final caller of the night. Prongs, where are you calling from? Hey, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Ooh, you're a little muffled. Can you get a little louder? Um, is this any better? Yes. Okay. Where, where are you calling from? 
Uh, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I think it's been a topic that's been talked about probably a couple years ago, but I feel like it hasn't been brought up so much lately. And it kind of came to focus with um, Kadrill. I believe it was Last Worlds where he ended up choosing to co-stream instead of being on the official broadcast. Um, so I feel like Riot has this control over the casters and analysts that will eventually stifle the scene because they will either see that there's better options for them in terms of third-party broadcasting and hosting their own events, or Riot can allow them to have that freedom to do their own events. And through them doing their own events and being involved with third-party events, the league scene can actually grow outside of Riot events because I feel like if they're sticking to only Riot events, then there's just not enough... Um, there's not enough talent spread around to actually make the other third-party events worth watching and worth um, investing into. But if they allow their casters and their analysts to basically better other content, then the league scene can grow outside of the control of Riot. Sorry, is there what happened? Is this about Cadrill not getting to co-stream? Um, no. So the the Kedril point was just because he chose to co-stream over going to an official or being an official. This, this MSI. Yeah, yeah, MSI. Uh, oh, this MSI. Sorry, I thought it was yeah, Worlds. Um, yeah. So I think that a lot more casters will eventually see that that might be a better path for them. So it's kind of like what is keeping the casters and analysts so tied to Riot? I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, okay, so why don't all these guys just go independent? I mean, they're, they are independent for, for the most part, but why don't all of them just co-stream and sort of do their own productions, you're asking? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Mark Zimmerman, why don't you co-stream and do your own production? Money, baby. Effort. It's so much easier just fucking phone it in with Riot and collect a paycheck than like having to run all these socials and streams and YouTube content and get an editor. Oh, why do all that? I can ah, just milk Riot. So you're just like the NA pros. You're just paycheck yeah. stealing, collecting, collecting paychecks. I, I didn't say it when Toast I think my, my biggest regret in esports thus far is not jumping team side for a couple of years for like a, a sick $400,000 cash in as like some like coach, you know? Uh, that was probably the one thing I should have done differently. It was just got, got in the fucking bag. I, I instead, uh, decided not to do that and do this thing where you like, you do what you enjoy. Horrible decision. Don't do that. 4X your salary for a year if you can emily ran why aren't um, you just co-streaming um i'd like for people to consider my personality which is essentially a ball of anxiety and whether that is in any way entertaining to watch um like jokes aside the idea of being a streamer like I respect the hell out of anyone who's a streamer, honestly. That job seems so difficult to me. Like, I do not have the personality for it. I'm not entertaining. I'm not energetic. Um, whenever I did do streams with Kelsey for LPL, it was, like, super fucking fun. But also, we would stop down the entire game and just talk about minion waves and, like, literally lose track of the game and then have to go back and, like, re- uh, refine where like stuff was and then be like how did that happen like did they just get it off a bad reset or what even happened um so i think like i think in terms of kadrill he's a really special case of someone who used to be a pro when he was a pro i know people who like worked with him and coached it with him and or, or coached him rather and said that he was really smart about the game um 
And that was never an issue in terms of his success as a pro player. So he brought that to being uh, a co-streamer and a broadcaster. And on broadcast, Cadrill is someone who just like stepped in, immediately pretty much knew how to make things super digestible and easy to understand. That is a like I, I think people should really appreciate what a rare fucking talent Cadrill is, honestly. Like he's phenomenal. Like he is he is hilarious. He is entertaining. He can be a memer. He can break down really um, like top down like map concepts to people in a very short, concise amount of time. And, like that's insane. I can't do that. Like, like, like I, I could never do that. Um, so I, I mean, in in terms of like what makes Cadrill special, I think like he is a rare talent in terms of what um, why people don't do co-streaming i mean for me i can only speak for me personally but the idea of that is just really exhausting to me and like it's it's already weird uh being on broadcast and coming home and i don't know if this happens to you mark at all but like i'll come home and i'll be like wow i'm like really tired not like sleepy tired but just like exhausted and it's because the energy level i have to run on broadcast is actually a lot higher than like my normal energy level and I didn't realize even like what was going on or like why I was so tired initially when I started being on broadcast. Um, Cause it's just, it's just really like hard for me, I guess. Like I love being on broadcast, but, but even that is like a, a kind of struggle with my own anxiety and, and self-deprecation and all that other stuff. So like, uh, I, I think uh, this probably doesn't answer it for everyone, but like for me personally, the idea of of co-streaming and being a streamer is just so daunting. Now I uh, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead before I I, I dive and give my real answer. Yeah, I was just gonna say, being an independent content creator is fucking exhausting. Like, it is. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of times where it's great. There's a ton of times where it's great. But there's also so much time where I'm just like, man, it would be so nice to just work at a fucking company right now or have like a cent. Like, here's a great example. Um, And I'm not saying that this doesn't happen to freelancers. Mark made everyone think that he was going to be poor uh, like last year or something like that whenever Riot cut his hours. Um, But uh, I like for me, my situation changed dramatically between 2022 and 2023 and it was kind of out of my control and I don't have like, obviously I have the, the Alienware deal, but that gets changed and renegotiated and, and everything every year. Um, whereas if you're Emily and Mark, like for the most part, they know, well, I guess Emily doesn't know, but she should know that she's always going to have a job on the analyst desk and Mark usually will too, unless some weird shit happens. And what Mark? You don't. You disagree with all this? No, 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 no. You, you finish your thing, and then I'll just say my stuff. Yeah, I just think that there's a lot of there. There are there's a ton of value for Cadrill, being independent, doing all this stuff, being able to co-stream, doing all that. It's not for everybody. It is like there's a lot of reasons why somebody might not want that. You know, Cadrill, for instance, right now, like I think it'd be really hard for him to have like a wife and kids with the schedule that he has to keep and the things that he is doing. 
Um, and so maybe if somebody wants to start like a family and do something like that, or they have other things they want to do, like it just, it takes so much from you from a time perspective and from an energy perspective that like, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might not want that. So Mark, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think for a lot of people who work in offices settings and stuff, there, there is probably still a feeling of things not being in your control. You know, like you can get fired or, you know, bosses have things over you. I think to, so I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, only independent contractors have to go through with that. Um, so what Travis was saying, I think the difference is that there are probably periods of time where you do feel at least like more secure. Whereas I think for a lot of independent contract, independent content creators, there is a grind where it is ceaseless. You're always looking for another sponsorship deal. You're always looking for another uh, content piece that you, you could pick up. Like it, it's a lot harder to say no, I think in some of these situations. And so like, while there's absolutely times, I think people lose their jobs and it's, brutal and like in an independent contractor sense you'll never lose your job um and so like i think there might be some lower lows at times like that where you get laid off or something um the difference for a, a con like someone like us if we went full-time into streaming or something is like th the grind is perma on at that point like you, you can't take your foot off the gas um whereas there there might be a couple times where you can maybe sink into more comfort um for me to answer a couple things emily said one I also can't, like, I need a couple hours to unwind after a show day. Like, your adrenaline's jacked up. You're just, like, in this different headspace. So even if you're tired and you don't want to, I don't want to move or do anything, I also can't go to bed because I'm, like, not that kind of tired. I'm a different kind of tired. And I'll usually rewatch the broadcast at 2x speed and rewatch all the segments we did and stuff and, like, look for community reactions. So I'll usually spend, like, an hour or two after I get home answering slacks as they pop up for, like, future things that we're doing the next day or next week or something, as well as rewatching the entire, everything I did that day. Um... So yeah, it's, it's hard to unwind. The other thing I'll say is for me, uh, there's all that grind stuff. I think I could do it. I just don't really like doing it. I've learned the times that I've done streaming and like try to be fully self-employed. And I think I also have a feeling that I want to do what's best for the fans and like not for my fans. There's a pool of people who care about League of Legends. If everyone went independent contractor, that would get saturated with people to pick from and you would have more diverse communities but they're all smaller and more segmented um and i would like to think that i have some degree of influence over the entire product that like everyone's kind of seeing and that i can hopefully do some good there and make good content for the general populace not just for fans of mark z though i obviously was more specific this time around i think like there's meetings that an independent contractor will not be privy to and have no access to be a part of that riot is making level like decisions on that I can kind of like bully my way into these conversations that you couldn't do if you didn't have one foot in the door at Riot already. Um, yeah, we're kind of blurring and, lines because you are kind of a contra independent contractor, but... Right, like I am an independent contractor. I do this show. I, I used to do Blame Game earlier in the year. You know, I've, I take on other jobs and stuff like that. I have that option, um, but I also have this like main gig, if you will. Yeah. Um, so it's not quite fully, uh, but that's true for all the talent. And I think for me, like I said, I like having that foot in the door and I don't want that shut by purely chasing the freelancer life stuff and I, I i bet a lot of people kind of feel that way like for someone like Kevin flowers i think he really likes casting i think he really really likes being able to deliver hype moments to fans and he, he could he could do that on his own stream but it's different than like i'm doing world fucking finals and like i'm gonna give people the the hypest shit they've ever heard you know like i think there's that level for a lot of us too there's a creative fulfillment that um, might get watered down or not watered down but like it would be different in, in another environment yeah, Mark's answer was much better than mine. I shouldn't have even chimed in here. 
I just I don't I know when there are those times where you guys have done like seven game days and shit like that. I just don't even know how you do it because I and I and then I think about what it must be like for Cadrol who like will do a co-stream or LS who does a co-stream like that and then there's literally no downtime. It's not like there's an ad break or something like that. It's just go 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 go. So um, yeah. Hey, thanks so much, caller, for calling in. Uh, anything you want to shout out? Um, well, shout out Alienware, of course, for sponsoring the show. And yeah, shout out to everybody on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for the call, and we will catch you next time. Take care. All right, that is the show. Everyone stick around afterwards, please, for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. I just need your help with something. But, Mark, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? Shout out Baldur's Gate 3 and Larian Studios coming out on PlayStation 5 tomorrow. If you haven't picked it up yet and you want to do some couch co-op with a significant other, this is a great game uh, for that. It might be hard to get through the whole campaign if you're trying to go super DJ and try hard, but it's at least good even still to sit down and just play a portion of the game together. It's it's really immersive. It's really cool. Check it out. All right. And uh, Emily, what do you want to shout out? Shout out to you guys for having me on this stream. I don't really have any other shout outs. I'm just chilling, going slowly crazy without League to watch. That's pretty pretty much it. That's going to be my life. If you want to follow what I'm doing, I guess go to my Twitter. I, sometimes I, I just want to see now. more of your paintings. That's been what I, the content. My Yeah, where is this? You, yeah. you said you've been painting. It's time to share them with the world. She has. You didn't see. I did. What? I shared my last one, yeah. Yeah, yeah she uh, showed one. My other one is good. just an underpainting right now, so it doesn't really look like anything. No, she on the, yeah. on August 23rd, she showed one of her oh, Final Fantasy. That was a long time ago. Pa- the finished one. Painting. Yeah. That was really cool. I was probably just DJing Baldur's Gate and didn't check Reddit or Twitter, <laughs> Twitter for a long time. All right. Aha. For me, what do I got for you all? Uh, I am going to stream more during this month. I've been streaming a decent amount. So please, if you don't, if you listen to this as a VOD, literally just stop, pull over the side of the road. If you're laying in bed, starting to fall asleep, you're in the dark, pick up your phone. Go to twitch.tv slash Travis Gafford. Please follow me uh, because it's really fun to just get to chat with you folks. We usually have somewhere between 50 and 150 people watching me when I'm playing something like Baldur's Gate 3 or Magic or chilling on stream and just like to hang out with all you guys. It's neat to meet people and a little bit less of a one-way street. Uh, also, it is September. So if you – I mentioned it earlier on the stream, but you can sub to the Twitch channel for way cheaper. Uh, and if you do a multi-month sub, it's actually significantly cheaper, uh, which is great for those of you that like to sub for many months. Just like save some money. Uh, that's not—it doesn't change my situation, but it does change yours. So I'm trying to to pro- promote that a little bit, so people that watch me and sub can just get some cash back. Uh, other than that, thanks everyone for watching. Uh, we'll have more content. I'm going to record some stuff with Drew tomorrow, and so stay tuned. We'll catch you next week. This has been Hotline League.